Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Jesus traveled along the border. He traveled between the homeland, his homeland of Galilee, and the land of the despised Samaritans. His feet were dusty. He was getting tired. But he kept facing the other way. He almost made it to the village. And suddenly, ten men who had leprosy came barreling towards him. They too were hobbled and sad and slow walking. They stood at a distance, not quite that distance, a closer distance, and tried to get Jesus' attention. They waved both their hands Some of them only had one hand, so they waved one hand and a stump. And then they hopped up and down, looking at Jesus, not at the big screen. (laughs) Some had only one leg, so they hopped up and down on one foot. Some of them were blind, so they were waving the wrong way. But the others helped them out and pointed them in the right direction. They kept waving and hopping in the right direction, hoping that Jesus would see them. Now these lepers were good friends and they often hugged each other. They often hugged each other. (laughs) Including while they were hopping up and down and waving. They were good friends because they weren't allowed to have other friends as they kept hopping and waving. You see, they were sick with leprosy and they were in permanent quarantine and in very good shape because of their aerobics. They would never get better, so they would never be allowed to hop up and down. They would be allowed to hop up and down, but they would never be allowed to go home to their families. They were called unclean. They knew they were not allowed to touch anyone, so that's why they didn't even try to touch Jesus as they hopped up and down and waved and turned in circles and stomped their feet. They hoped that Jesus would notice them, and he did. His eyes grew wide, and even wider, and so wide, and he stood up tall and waved at them. This was the leper's chance. They knew that Jesus heals people, and they shouted all together in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. In a loud voice, they shouted, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus heard them. He saw they were sick and in quarantine because they were unclean. He knew that they were hurting and that they missed their families. And he saw as they jumped up and down and waved and turned in circles that they missed their families. And he, they believed that he could heal them. Jesus spoke to them saying, 
go, show yourselves to the priests, and pointed for them to go into the village. The lepers, jumping up and down, froze. All facing the same direction. He was telling them to go to the village. Only clean and healthy people, froze, could go there. But they chose to believe Jesus and they unfroze and walked back to the village, slowly walked back to the village. All of them walked back to the village and they looked at their skin and they realized that they had been healed. They were excited and they ran the rest of the way to the village except for one. (laughs) One of the lepers, whose name was Henry Seashore, turned around. He knew that Jesus was the one who had healed him. And he wanted to say thank you. Henry came back and threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. (laughs) At Jesus' feet. Without touching him and thanked him. Later, relatives of Henry's would become Blue Jays and slide home that way. (laughs) He was so thankful. He was clean now, and he could touch people, and so he hugged Jesus' feet. (laughs) Jesus put his hand on the man. He was pleased with Henry, but he asked, were not all ten people healed? And he looked around. Where are the other nine? He looked at the large crowd of people that was sitting there. The other way, that's right. He looked into the crowd for thankful people. Then he turned back to Henry Seashore, who was laying on the ground, hugging his feet, and said, Get up before you hurt your neck and go home. Your faith has made you well. Amen. Good job, buddy. Good job. What a great job they did. Um. (laughs) Gordon McDonald, who's a grandpa, uh, tells a story of when he took his grandchildren and their children, I'm sorry, his grandchildren and their parents, to um, one of these places where there's lots of video arcade games and maybe mini golf, maybe go-karts, batting cages. I mean, so many games for adults and kids to enjoy. Um, The food is terrible at these places and overpriced, but everybody has so much fun at these kinds of places. And so uh, Grandpa Gordon McDonald took his grandchildren and their parents to this place, and everybody had a great time in the afternoon. And the evening came to an end, and everybody was getting back into their vehicles. The grandchildren were riding home with grandma and grandpa, and mom was buckling one of the young boys into the back seat. And many of you have been at this exact place. And, um, and mom says to this little boy, don't forget to thank Papa for taking you here. There's no response from the little boy. And so the mother tries again and says, now don't forget to thank Papa for all the fun that you had and thank him for taking you here. 
Still no response from this little boy. The mother tries a third time. Still no response. And, and grandpa overhearing all of this says to the mom, says, you know what? It's okay. Just leave it. Just let it pass. Just, it'll be okay. And so a frustrated mother walks back to her vehicle, gets in the car, drives home. The grandchildren are driving home with grandma and grandpa. And so grandpa feels that now that the kids are, grandchildren are in the vehicle with him, this would be a good chance for him to just give some fa- grandfatherly advice, some grandfatherly coaching. So they're driving home, and grandpa says to the kids in the back seat, he says, you know what, kids? Papa loves to take you to these sorts of places. Papa loves to have fun with you. He loves to give you good things. But you know what? It takes all the fun out of it if if the grandkids aren't thankful. Grandpa thought this would be a very diplomatic way, right, of pointing out the sense of ingratitude and unthankfulness that the grandchildren had. And Grandpa expected that now he would hear this overwhelming outpouring of gratitude and thanksgiving coming from the back seat, and there was silence. And now it's grandpa's turn to get a little bit frustrated, a little bit irritated here. So grandpa says to the kids in the backseat, did you hear what I said? Yep, came the reply. He said, well, did you hear me say how important it was to be thankful, to be grateful? Yep, came the reply. Well, don't you think it would be a good idea to say thank you? Silence from the backseat until finally one little voice said, well, I am thankful. I just don't want to say it. Now maybe some of you kids and maybe some of you adults have felt the exact same way. Sometimes you just don't want to say thank you. And there's a problem with feeling this way, isn't there? There's a problem. There's a problem when inside of us, inside of our hearts, we just don't want to say thank you. And there's a bigger problem when inside of our hearts we, we choose not to say thank you. Maybe we forget to say thank you, where we don't express our gratitude, and this isn't a small problem, this is a big problem. In the letter to the church in Rome, Paul writes, um, he spends the first few chapters describing the breakdown that he sees taking place in the morality and society uh, of the Roman Empire. This is the first few chapters of Romans. Paul observed that humankind was becoming wicked and godless and evil acts, wrong behavior were just commonplace. Paul looked around him and observed that society had become filled with every kind of wickedness and evil. And these are the words that he uses to describe the society that he saw, the activity that he saw around him. He says, he said, society had become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander. People in society had become God-haters, insolent, arrogant, both boastful, senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Now, what is the root cause of a society that is characterized by this kind of behavior? What's the root cause? What's going wrong here? Paul's observations led him to say this in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. He says, For although they knew God, they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Paul concludes here that there's two reasons that society will break down in its morality and its civility. The first is society's unwillingness to acknowledge, to worship, to honor the Creator. And the second reason is society's resistance to gratitude. Society's resistance to say thank you and to mean it from a sincere and genuine heart. Paul's conclusions, I believe, 
could be accurate of our society and what we see taking place these days. Although people know about God, they know there's a God, they know who God is, they choose not to worship him, not to acknowledge him as God, and society as well just chooses not to express gratitude. People just don't say thank you. And this shouldn't surprise us really, because at the core of our being and our very sinful nature, we don't want to say thank you. We don't want to say thank you. Thankfulness and gratitude, I want you to know, is a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. We're not born with this inclination, with this motivation to say thank you. We're not born this way. We're not born wanting to say thank you. We learn to say thank you. We learn to express gratitude. We choose to express gratitude. It's something that we're taught, and it's a way that we learn to behave. Gratitude is a necessary characteristic of followers of Jesus Christ. And it's a characteristic, it's an attitude within us that God wants to cultivate. He wants to nurture so that we become increasingly grateful and thankful people. Which brings us to reflect on the encounter that Jesus had with the ten lepers that the kids acted out so brilliantly. In Luke chapter 17 verse 11, that's where This encounter takes place in Scripture. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want to, but there's ten lepers. They encounter Jesus as Jesus was traveling towards Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross. Jesus is walking on the boundary between Galilee and Samaria. And as was the custom in these days, lepers were not allowed to be a part of society because their disease was transmitted from person to person. It was a contagious disease. And so they were outcasts. They were kept outside society to live among themselves. And so these ten lepers could only come a short ways away from Jesus, and they cried out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And Jesus told them to do this because it was the priest that would declare them clean. It was the priest that would say, now you are clean. Now you're able to return back to your family, back to your community, back to the town in which you live. So this amazing verse 14 says, as they went... They were healed. Let your imagination just think about that. As they were traveling, they saw their skin turning to the right color. Perhaps they saw their limbs grow back. And then verse 15 and 16, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus is making an important point in this story, an important point. Gratitude is important to Jesus. Expressing thanks is important to Jesus. There's two phrases in this encounter here that stand out to me. The first is, he came back. One came back. He came back. And the second is Jesus' question, where are the other nine? Now, we're not told why the other nine did not come back to thank Jesus. We don't know. Exactly. But it's clear that when only one returns, Jesus asks this question. Where are the other nine? What happened to them? Why didn't they come back and give thanks to me because of the gift that I had given them? You see, gratitude is a choice. Gratitude is a choice. It's a learned behavior. Gratitude could be described this way. That gratitude is coming back to the scene of an event, acknowledging what took place, and then thanking the person that made it happen. And this could happen immediately in an exchange, right away, within seconds, where you say, thank you 
for what you did for me. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for your words of encouragement. It could take place hours later, months later, perhaps even a year later, but gratitude is coming back to the scene of an event, acknowledging what took place there, and thanking the person who made it happen. That's what gratitude is. And a heart filled with gratitude moves you to express thanksgiving, to be thankful. So choosing gratitude reminds us of some things. First of all, choosing gratitude reminds us that we are not entitled to blessing. We're not entitled to blessing. See, perhaps, we don't know exactly, but perhaps the nine did not return because they expected Jesus to heal them. They knew who Jesus was. They called him by name, Jesus, Master. Jesus' reputation as a teacher and healer had spread throughout that region. So they knew who Jesus was. They knew he could heal him. Perhaps they didn't return to say thanks because this is just what Jesus did. This was commonplace. They expected to be healed, perhaps. That may be the reason. We don't know. But I do know that one of the reasons that we fail to express gratitude in our own hearts and minds is because we can fall into feeling entitled at times. We can think that we deserve things that come our way. The enemy of gratitude is entitlement. Entitlement is a mindset that we have when we feel that we deserve the blessing that we have in our lives. And the thing is, you can't feel grateful and feel entitled at the same time. You can't feel grateful and entitled at the same time. Our feelings of entitlement blind us to the kindness and the goodness and generosity of others around us. Our feelings of entitlement blind us to the generosity and the blessing that we receive from God. It makes you and I greedy and impatient and self-centered. Entitlement will cause you to be bitter and resentful because you are not getting the things that you feel you deserve in your life. And you'll become bitter and resentful. Entitlement robs us of contentment. It damages relationships around us. And it is a cancer that will ruin your soul and your spiritual life. The enemy of gratitude is entitlement. About two weeks ago, as part of one of our leadership team meetings here, we decided to go on a prayer walk around this building. Some of us went alone, some of us went in pairs. And, and as I started on this prayer walk, I was overcome by how fortunate and how blessed I am to live in Calgary, to live in Canada. I was overcome by this feeling of gratitude. And immediately my praying went from worshiping and praising God and thanking Him to then interceding on behalf of the, the people that I know work and operate around in this community. I began on the west side of our building and it was, the, it was Thursday. And I knew that Thursday night almost 250 individuals would come to our west campus in order to participate in Freedom Session. And so I prayed for these participants that they would find the freedom that Jesus has to offer them. And then I thought of the Buchanan Elementary School, and we know the principal well, and I prayed for him and, and the administration and the children at the Buchanan Elementary School that some of them don't have lunch to eat every day. And volunteers make lunch for them. Some of them don't have breakfast, and so the volunteers make breakfast for them and feed them. And I prayed that the kids would just learn and grow and learn about Jesus. And I moved to the south part of our building, and I thought of the Winky Care Center, and, and we know the chaplain there, and and prayed for the residents there who are aging and need extended care. And prayed for the families of these residents that they would visit them often. And then I 
continued on and thought of Heart, our partner agency that, that operates in Ukraine and Moldova, and <clears throat> I thought of our partner churches there and was just struck at what's going on in Ukraine still today, just on the brink of outright war. I prayed for Heart that the kids that they help sponsor, the orphans that they help sponsor, would just grow up to know Jesus. And then my thoughts then went to the conflict in our world, not in this country, but in other countries. The Middle East, the persecution of Christians around the world, the poverty, the despair, the disease. And then I moved to the north part of our building and just a block away from us is Fresh Start, a, an agency that helps men recover from addictions. And I prayed for the men there. Some of the men come and worship here with us on the weekends. And at the end of all of this, I felt convicted about how at times I become entitled and think I deserve the blessing, the gifts, the friendships, the good things that I experience in my life. And I know that many of you fall into feeling the same way. The enemy of gratitude is entitlement. And when we choose gratitude, we're reminded that we're not entitled to any blessing. Read with me what David writes in Psalm 103, just the first five verses. Read this with me. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. Do you hear what David is saying here? Worship God, praise God. All of the benefits that we have in this life come from him. He's the one who forgives our sin. Heals the one who heals our bodies. He moved towards us with love and compassion. He satisfies the desires of our hearts with good things. Every good thing comes from him. We can so easily forget and take for granted all that we have. We can so easily forget the kindness and goodness and all forms of blessing and the gifts that we receive from God. You know what? We're not entitled to any of it. We don't deserve any of it. And our response is just worship and thanks to God. Gratitude is the antidote to an entitlement. And here's what happens. When gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, entitlement in our hearts grows smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Second, choosing gratitude reminds us that we can't get along on our own. We can't get along on our own. You see, the one leper who came back, who returned back and fell at Jesus' feet and thanked, th came back to thank him, Jesus, for doing something for him that he could not do on his own. He knew he needed Jesus. He knew he needed healing. And he humbled himself before Jesus, thanked Jesus for what he had Experienced. You see, one of the reasons I believe we don't express thankfulness or gratitude is because we don't want to humble ourselves. We don't want to acknowledge that we need other people in our lives. We don't want to acknowledge the assistance that we get, the help that we get, the gifts we receive. Because when we thank someone, when we express gratitude, we honor them. We show them appreciation. We lift them up in our minds and we say, thank you. I appreciate you for what you've done for me because I couldn't do this on my own. Or I didn't have time to do this on my own. Or I didn't have this and thank you for giving me this amazing gift. Gratitude necessitates humility. 
And you see, nobody wants to be known as someone who's ungrateful. I don't think anybody in this room would want to be known as an ungrateful person. That's not how we want ourselves to be perceived. That's not who we want to be. But here's the thing. If someone came to you, maybe someone's done this and said, you know what, you appear to be ungrateful. You appear to be just not thankful. I think immediately you would think through your mind to the past, in the past to when you said thank you to someone and you'd say, you know what, I am grateful. I said thank you there. I did this here. I sent this person a note. I expressed my gratitude in this way. And, and you might then round out your response saying, you know what, I don't gush with gratitude. I don't express it so freely, but I am grateful on the inside. But here's the problem. When we fail to express gratitude... Andy Stanley puts it this way, the problem is that people in your life experience your unexpressed gratitude as ingratitude. People experience your unexpressed thankfulness, your unexpressed gratitude as you actually being ungrateful. Your spouse prepares supper, your child runs an errand, a friend does you a favor, you receive a gift, you receive a word of encouragement, someone does something kind for you. And if someone says, well, are you grateful? You'd say, well, of course I'm grateful. But when we don't express gratitude, when we don't humble ourselves and express gratitude, the other person feels rejection and they experience you as being ungrateful, not thankful. I have a challenge for you, church. Over the next seven days, and this is a great challenge to take to heart because it's Thanksgiving weekend. Over the next seven days, each day, Express gratitude. Express thankfulness seven times a day. Keep track of that somehow. Try and achieve that goal seven times a day for seven days. See what that does to your heart. And so, kids, I need your help here for a moment because we've got a lot of adults in the room. And sometimes adults don't know how to express gratitude. They find it difficult sometimes. So what I want you to do, kids, is I'm going to come around and I just want three or four of you to help the adults out. Just give them some ideas of how they could show that they're thankful, right? So I'm going to start over here and just quickly move this way and see if there's any kids that can help out adults in the room. Just put up your hand, child, if you have a, an idea. Anybody here? Anybody? You've got an idea. Perfect. What do you think adults can do to show that they are thankful? Um, they can pray and thank God for what he's done for them. Absolutely. You can pray and thank God. All right. Anybody over here? Any kid? No? Okay, I see a hand over here. So what can adults do to show that they're thankful? I'll just reach over you. What do you think? Um, to pray for the church. Okay, that's a good idea. Pray for the church. How about, how about you just say thank you? Or a text message, right? You could text message someone that you're thankful. I see one girl back here, and then I'm going to go over there. Maybe there's someone over there. What do you think? I'm thankful for the trees. You're thankful for the trees. There we go. You know what? The trees are so beautiful these days. Yes. Any child over here in this section? Did I miss someone? Any? Oh, here we go. What can adults do to show each other they're thankful? We share. Share. Brilliant. Share. Share your lawnmower. Share your, share your car, perhaps. 
You know, share. That's great. Anybody over here? Thank you, kids. Oh, one more. I'll just do one more. We got time for one more. At the end of supper, they can say, thank you for supper. That is brilliant. Whoever made the meal, say thank you to them. Everybody in the room. You know what, church? When we express our gratitude, what we're saying is, I can't get along without you. I need you in my life. I'm grateful you are in my life because what you've done, the words you've spoken, you are a blessing to me. And when we choose gratitude, what we're saying is we can't get along on our own. And you know what that does? That motivates us to respond with greater acts of kindness and goodness. We need each other in our lives. Lastly, choosing gratitude reminds us to glorify God and give him thanks. I've thought about this this week. What could we do to increase our sense of gratitude? To make us more grateful people on the inside. What could we do to increase our gratitude quotient, if you want to say that? What could we do? One of the things maybe you're thinking of is, well, if I had more things to be grateful for, I would be more grateful. If I had more friends, if I had more stuff, if I had another vehicle, if I had more money, if I had more, I, you know what, fill in the blank. If I just had more, then perhaps that would move me to be increasingly grateful in my life, increasingly thankful. You know what? Studies have been done. Surveys have been done on this. The exact opposite is true. What's found is that when we have more and more and more in our life, we actually become less grateful. We become less thankful. Listen to what God says to the nation of Israel. When they were just about to enter into this promised land, God had this amazing gift, a whole country, right, that he was giving to the nation of Israel. They had just come from slavery in Egypt. They're just about to enter into this land, and God has some very important words for them. God is giving them this gift. This is what God says in in Deuteronomy chapter 8. God says, when you enter into this land, right, when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and your herds and your flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. God's giving the nation of Israel a warning here. He's saying, don't forget about God. What God's saying here is that our tendency as human beings, when we have family, when we have homes, when we have wealth, when we have the ability to produce more and more, when we have accumulated so many things, instead of worshiping God, instead of honoring Him, acknowledging Him as our God, instead of thanking Him, what is our tendency is to forget about God. To forget about Him for our hearts to become proud and arrogant and puffed up. Humankinds tend to forget about God. Sounds a lot what Paul said. Sounds the same as what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. That although they knew God, although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. Here's the truth. The source of gratitude in your life, the place that gratitude originates from, comes from, flows from, 
It comes from a greater awareness of God's presence in your life and his goodness shown towards you. That's the source of gratitude. Not the things you have, not the family you have, nothing else. The source of gratitude in your life and mine comes from a greater awareness of God's presence in your life and his goodness. So to increase your sense of gratitude, to become a more grateful person, what I'm saying here is be aware of God's presence in your life. Worship him, praise him, focus your heart and mind on him and thank him for what he has done for you. And then you will become a more and more and more grateful person. Almost a year ago today, and I'll conclude with this story. Almost a year ago today, my cousin, Danielle, her brother, and two other individuals were in a car accident. They were driving just in the, uh, as it turned dusk, in Kananaskis country, and they hit a moose with their vehicle. Everyone escaped with scrapes and bruises except for Danielle. She was rushed to the hospital in the ambulance, And what they discovered after x-rays was that she had broken her neck. She had broken a vertebrae in her neck in three places. See, all four individuals in the car, God miraculously spared their life from an accident like this. But Danielle was spared from paralysis. She could still move. What the doctors discovered is that to cause her, her body to heal, they wouldn't do surgery. They would hope and pray that, that God would heal this vertebrae bring these three broken broken bones together just perfectly. And so she was fitted with a halo on her head that kept her head, her neck, her shoulders, her spine in alignment. She was in the hospital for a number of weeks as the doctors monitored other aspects of her health. It was a tough time for her. She was, the person next to her had a similar accident and was paralyzed. She was able to speak words of comfort to him. She had so many visitors coming to visit her in the hospital that one of the nurses came down or came into her room one day and said, so just tell me what's up with you. (laughs) She said, I've been on this ward for years and I've never seen the flow of people come to visit someone like people have come to visit you. What's up with you? And Danielle said, "This this is my church. This is my family. These are my spiritual sisters and brothers and parents and, and they love Jesus and I love Jesus too. Danielle seized every opportunity that she had to point people towards Jesus, to praise God. Absolutely, she had tough days. But she pointed people towards Jesus. And after about six months of wearing this halo around her head and walking around different places and just struggling with the immobility that that caused her, after about six months, she got a good report from the doctor saying that the three bones had healed perfectly together and God had answered her prayer and she was healed. And what the surgeon, the, the doctor said, is stay away from contact sports for just a little while, but you're all fine. You're all clear. God healed you. And <clears throat> you know, if you would have seen the x-ray, it was a miracle that these bones healed on their own. Obviously, I'm telling you this story skipping over so many, so many ways that God's Holy Spirit comforted Daniel. Skipping over so many conversations Danielle had inside and outside of the hospital about this halo and how God had spared her life and spared her from paralysis. I'm skipping over so many kind gestures and goodness that people served and and just poured out towards Danielle. Skipping over so much in this story. But 11 months ago, about 30 or 40 of us gathered in the prayer chapel 
Daniel was sitting in the center with this halo and she was anointed with oil and we prayed that God would heal her, would just grant her full healing. About a month ago, three weeks ago, quite a number of the same people were in the prayer chapel again and we had an emotional worship time, time of thanking God for what he had done just singing songs of worship to God. And one of the things that Danielle and her family asked was that people who had seen God at work, who, had, who, could, who could give a good testimony of God's faithfulness over the past year, what, what Danielle and her family asked is that they would take a stone and they would, they would then share a story or share a verse and then, and then take that stone and put it in a little pile. And in the prayer chapel, we built a little altar, a little offering of gratitude to God. It was an emotional time. And then last week, Danielle and her family took those stones and went out to the site that the accident took place a year ago. Pulled over on the side of the road, took those rocks, and in that location where God had just done a miracle, really, in sparing their life, they put those stones on the side of the road and built an offering and spent time there worshiping God. You see, Danielle was like the one who came back. The one leper who came back, worshipped God, acknowledged God for who he is, and thanked him for what he had done. We want to conclude this worship service by giving you an opportunity, even now, to come back. To return and give thanks and praise to God for what he's done in your life. To acknowledge him as your God, as your king, as your creator, even now. And the ways that I want to encourage you to do that is... Just spend a few moments as a family or with someone you came with or by yourself. Spend a few moments now in prayer. Just list off all the different ways that you're grateful to God, that you're thankful to God. Just list them off. Just let your mind, let your mind go about all the good things that God has done for you. You can do that or if you'd like, you can join the children who have already started on the side and the paper is there. Don't write on the walls, but write on the paper. Right? And you can write a prayer of thanksgiving. You can write a word. You can draw a picture. You can put a verse up there if you'd like. But use that as a time where you're coming back and saying, God, I honor you as my God. I thank you for what you've done. Or if you'd like, just simply stay seated or stand and sing. Sing words of worship. Sing words of gratitude expressed from your heart to God for what he's done for you. So respond in any of these ways just for a few minutes and then I will come back and just and close us in prayer. On this Thanksgiving weekend, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be so gracious to you. May he, incre may he increase the gratitude that you have in your heart. May he direct your thoughts and your minds to worship him. May his Holy Spirit guide you this week in everything that you do and everything you say. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, if you came here and there's something heavy on your heart, uh, we have prayer partners that would love to pray with you. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Go with God. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.